Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we're going to study verses 19 through 28. 19 through 28. Father God, we thank you once again for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for sensitivity to your spirit tonight and that you help us to um, understand your word. We pray for fresh insight. We do pray for a timely word for us, Lord, and that you help us to apply your word to our lives. Now pray for the gift of teaching and the fresh filling of your spirit, Lord, and We pray that you will be glorified on this night. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, as people, one thing we could be is forgetful. We could be some forgetful folks. You know, some of us have forgotten keys. Some of us have forgotten maybe cell phones. We've forgotten to do certain things tasks that we even had it on the calendar to do, but we forgot to do them. And some of us have forgotten to set the alarm to help wake us up for our appointment or to wake us up on time so we can get dressed and get to work or school on time. So yes, we could be some forgetful folks. And years ago, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it was a time when we had three children instead of four. And just to give you some type of timeline, our youngest is 12 years old, and Lord willing, he'll be 13 in October. So at this time, we only had three, three children. And, and we were out here visiting Arizona, and we found ourselves at a mall. We were browsing around this large clothing store, and while we were browsing and Folks looking at different shirts and pants or whatever they were looking at in the the store. Suddenly, we noticed that one of our children was missing. And I said we because I'm not going to take the blame for it myself. (laughs) So we found one of our children was missing. And so we searched around the department store. We went outside, you know, in the mall and just walking around and you know, looking behind clothing and things like that, and and we started to get concerned. And then it dawned on us that maybe he never came in the mall. And so long story short, we, we found that son of ours, one of them, we found that he was still asleep in the SUV in the parking lot. And so that's just one example of how forgetful we can be. And many of us can think of other examples where we have been forgetful. And we may forget a lot of things. We may forget a lot of people, even the names of people. But one thing that we should not do, and it fits in with the title of tonight's lesson, is to don't forget God. 
And we understand what that statement means from a mental perspective. We know what it is to remember and forget mentally. But what we're going to see in tonight's lesson is what it looks like practically to don't forgive God or forget God. And so when I talk about practically, I'm talking about by actual experience. We're going to see what it looks like to not forget God. And so in verse 19, as we start there in 1 Samuel chapter 1, it says, Then they, they rose early in the morning and they worshiped before the Lord. And returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew his wife Hannah. And the Lord remembered her. And so the Lord remembered Hannah in the sense that he moved to action. Or he moved or acted in her life or situation at this particular time. And that way he remembered her. Now it's time. Now it's time to answer her prayer. So in that way the Lord remembered Hannah. And if you weren't here last week. Or if you need a reminder. Hannah was one of the two wives of Elkanah. And Hannah had no children. But the other wife Peninnah had children from Elkanah. And she would often make fun of Hannah. In fact, she made Hannah's life miserable. The scriptures tell us that this would happen on a yearly basis, year after year, as they would go up to Shiloh to worship the Lord. Peninnah would tease. She'll tease Hannah. And Shiloh, by the way, was the central place of worship during that time. And now previous to this lesson, just to catch you all up or just for a quick refresher, previously to this lesson, Hannah prayed to the Lord and she made a vow to God that she would dedicate her son if the Lord were to bless her with a son. So essentially her vow was If you would remember me and not forget me, if you would take a look at my situation, my affliction, my suffering, because I don't have a child and I really want a child and I'm being teased all the time. My my husband don't quite understand me and I've been waiting and praying for so long and I still don't have a child. But Lord, if you would remember me and bless me with a male child, a son, then I would dedicate him to you for his entire life. In fact, he's going to be a Nazarite. In other words, um, uh, he's not going to cut his hair. And that was one of the things that um, was a part of the Nazarite vows to not cut the hair, but he will be a lifelong Nazarite. And so she made this vow. She sent up this prayer in our previous lesson. And so in verse 20, it came to pass that in the process of time or after some time, Hannah conceived. She got pregnant. She bore a son and called his name Samuel because she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. And this just gives us some personal application. Because here you have this woman who 
prayed in our previous lesson. You can see the prayer in verse 11 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we don't know how many times she prayed prior to that. But here you have this woman in pain and this praying woman. But then you see that the answer to her prayer or the result of her prayer doesn't come right away. And as for personal application purposes, the Lord hears us, his children, the moment we pray. And so he heard Hannah at the time she prayed, but it doesn't mean that he was ready to move during that time. And for us, it doesn't mean that just because he hears us and he knows we're praying. In fact, he knows what we're going to pray about before we even pray. But here in this lesson, we learn that God doesn't always resolve our issues immediately. Or we don't always see the result of our prayers immediately, but it doesn't mean that God is not listening to our prayers as his children. In fact, as you see in tonight's lesson, he has a specific time in which he'll be ready to bring about the result of our prayers. Now, obviously for Hannah, her prayer was in the will of God. And I say obviously because we know what her prayer was. But also we see that she did get pregnant by her husband, Elkanah, and she also gave birth to her son, Samuel. And so obviously her prayer was in the will of God. But one thing to consider is that God didn't bring about the result of her prayer. He didn't bring about the result of Hannah's prayer until she was at the place of being willing to surrender her son to the Lord for his entire life. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, she vowed to make her son a lifelong Nazarite. You can take a look at that in Numbers chapter 6 if you want to know about that vow of a Nazarite. And so what we see here in regard to Hannah is that she became a willing participant in the plan of God. You see, on her end, Hannah just wanted a son. She was childless. She just wanted a son. That's what was going on on her end. But on God's end, God was looking past that. God wasn't just looking at a son for Hannah. No, for God on his end, he wanted a judge. He wanted a prophet. He wanted a priest. And I wonder, could it be that some of our prayers are too me-centered, or I should say short-sighted. I wonder if some of our prayers are that way, that we're not seeing the bigger picture, that we're not seeing it from an eternal perspective. And I wonder if we were in that place or if we are in that place in our prayers of being short-sighted like Hannah was, and, and, and no, that wasn't a bad thing that she prayed for a son, but like I said, she wasn't thinking of the big picture as God is. He always is thinking of the big picture. And so for us in our short-sighted prayers, 
Some of us may pray for a house because we want a new place to live in. But God, who's thinking on a larger scale, may not just want you to have a house, not saying that he doesn't want to bless you with one, but God may have a bigger picture. While you may want a house, God may want an extra meeting place for another Bible study where his people can get together and learn more about him. And so some of us in our short-sightedness and not looking at the big picture or from the eternal perspective, we may only focus on wanting a job. Lord, I just want a new job. I just want a new career. And so we're looking at it in those terms only in time, but God may be looking further than that. He may be looking way down the line that, no, I just don't want to bless you with a job and just create another employee. No, God may be thinking, no, I want another ambassador for me on that job site. And so, yes, sometimes we could be short-sighted in our prayer requests while God is thinking of it in the big picture terms or from an eternal perspective because he is an eternal God after all. And so Hannah was brought along to that place where her will became in line with God's will, where she became now a willing participant in the plan of God. And it wasn't just, just about her just enjoying her son, but she said, no, Lord, I want to have a son, but I'm also going to vow to give him over to you for lifelong service. And I also wonder, could it be that God is leading us to that place of having that heart alignment with his will, just like he did with Hannah? God could be working on that. So maybe in all of our waiting, maybe in all of our affliction, maybe in all of our troubles and our trials, maybe God is using that to kind of gently bring us to that place of having, of having that willing heart that is in line with his big picture will. And I like what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, speaking of the will of God in prayer, it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And so prayer should be helping us to become aligned more with the will of God. And so some people use that saying that prayer changes us. So prayer is not my will be done. It's about thy will, Lord, be done. And we want to be in line with that. And so we know this child's name to be Samuel. But what does that name mean? Samuel means name of God. But according to one Bible teacher, it says, but Hannah, as was common among the Hebrews, made a pun on the name by saying that she had asked the Lord for him. And why was the name Samuel a pun? It was a pun because Samuel sounds like the Hebrew term for asked of God or heard by God. 
And this young child, Samuel, was a Levite. That means he was from the tribe of Levi. He was also a Nazarite. I talked about that Nazarite vow already. He will become the last of all the judges. Instead, he would be more of a spiritual deliverer instead of a military guy. He would grow up to be a priest and he would grow up to be the first of a new line of Hebrew prophets who would come after Moses. And of course, we know that he wasn't, that Samuel won't be the first prophet in the scriptures. We know that because there's even a scripture in in Genesis that, that calls Abraham a prophet. And we know Moses was a prophet, so he wasn't the first prophet, speaking of Samuel, but he's the first, and I repeat, the first of a new line of Hebrew prophets after Moses. You see that? So God wanted more than just a son for this lady who was just in pain and yearning for a child. No, he wanted a priest, a a judge. He wanted a prophet for himself. So Samuel whose names sound like the Hebrew term for asked of God or heard by God, reminds us that, that this child was an answer to prayer. And as I mentioned that, I do want to throw out there that, first of all, we know that God hates pride. But at, but at the same time, I don't want any of you to undervalue yourself. And the reason I bring that up is because just like Samuel was an answer to his mother's prayer, he was an answer to someone's prayer. I I just want to propose to you that you may be the result of someone's prayer as well. And and so that's why I, I said, you know, of course, you don't want to be proud And think of yourself too highly, but don't undervalue yourself. You may be that answer to somebody's prayer. Maybe somebody, maybe your parents were praying for a child and and here you come. An answer to their prayers. Or maybe someone is praying for a godly marriage partner and here you come. And now you're married to that person who was praying for a godly partner. Or maybe someone was just praying for someone to come help them or come help me to understand the scriptures. Come help me to paint my house or to fix my car. And lo and behold, you step in the picture. So so maybe you are an answer to someone's prayer in that regard. Or maybe you're an answer to someone's prayer because maybe somebody was praying for you to be led by God to come to that place of repentance. And to receive Jesus. And people can now see the fruit of that. That you indeed repented. You indeed put your trust, your faith in Christ and that you're saved. So so yes, maybe you are the product of someone's prayer. Just like Samuel. In verse 21 it says, Now the man Elkanah and all his house, they went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. 
In verse 23, so Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word or only may the Lord bring about what you've said. And then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now, just so you know, in that day, in age and in that culture, children were nursed until about the age of three. And so Samuel was weaned at about that age. And so as I think about that, it just reminds me of the fact of how we must make sure that we feed our children the word of God as much as possible before we send them out. Or maybe they're going off to the military or to college. Maybe they're going off on their own and getting their own apartment. And so just like Hannah fed her child until he got to that point where he was weaned and then she would turn him over to the priest Eli. We need to do the same. Feed our children as much as we can. Take advantage of those opportunities because one day they're going to leave your home. They're going to go off to college and you want them to be ready because at that time it, it, it'll be them and the Lord without us holding their hands, without us being as visible. And yes, we'll be still pouring into them when the opportunity comes, when they're adults. And yes, we'll still be praying for them and with them when the opportunity comes, but they'll be building with the Lord's help their own testimony at that point their own Bible story, so to speak, will be written. In verses 24 and 25, it says, Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls. Now, depending on what version you have, it may say a three-year-old bull. And the reason why some versions say a three-year-old bull instead of Three bulls is because the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament, and the Syriac versions read a three-year-old bull. Does that change anything about our faith? No. (laughs) So you don't want to get hung up on that. But you will see some versions say a three-year-old bull versus three bulls. But anyway, she also took up one ephah of flour. And the ephah is 22 liters or 5.8 gallons. She also took a skin of wine and she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull in verse 25 and they brought the child Samuel to Eli. So remember, he was three years old at this time or about that age when he was brought to Eli, the high priest and also the judge at that time. Now, many of us don't take our children to church and just drop them off and say, here, pastor, you have them for the rest of his life. Now, we don't do that. Some of you may like to, but that's not what we do. You haven't made that vow. But we do bring our children to church. Just like Hannah brought Samuel to that place of worship, to the tabernacle in Shiloh. She brought him to Eli, that high priest. And so when we as parents bring our children to church, just like she did, 
They, they come under the care of those who are serving, whether it's the high school ministry, junior high, uniquely special, children's ministry, whatever it may be. They come under the care of those who are serving, just like Samuel was, was brought to Eli and was under his care. And so as church leaders in these various ministries who are overseeing children who are pouring into them we want to set a good example for them we want to feed them the word of god and i will say this that that church children's ministry junior high ministry high school ministry it should not be the only time they're getting the word of god there should be a personal study time at home however that may look i know the dynamics of people's uh, families are different different work schedules but at least once a week and if you get off track a week then get back on track as soon as possible just like working out may miss a few days but jump right back in asap but church should not be the only time the children are getting the word and we and and i could imagine that that hearing about the lord didn't take place the first time for samuel you know when he got to eli that hearing from Eli wasn't the first time he heard from the Lord, but he heard from the Lord, from his mom, in other words. Just to clear up that statement, I confused myself. In verse 26, and she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives. And, and she says, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child, I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. And so what we see here is that Hannah gave Eli a praise report. And praise reports are so awesome. Oh, we see the the prayer requests. We see them written. We see them come via email. We get the phone calls. We get the texts of all of these prayer requests. And it's so awesome to partner with somebody in their prayers. But those praise reports, those are so important to share. Because when we hear that praise report, just like what Hannah uh, gave to Eli, we are reminded that God is still working. And also when we hear that praise report, we are reminded of what God can do. And further, when we hear these praise reports, it gives us encouragement to keep on praying. Because it means that God is still in control, that he's still on the throne, that he is still a prayer answering God. And so those praise reports are so awesome. And she said, therefore, therefore what? What came before that? The fact that she told Eli that that, that she prayed for this child and God granted her her petition. And so because of that, or therefore, I have lent, I've dedicated my child. I dedicated Samuel to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent. He shall be dedicated to the Lord. And so they, including Samuel, worship the Lord there, there being in Shiloh. That, that central place of worship at that time just handed her son over at about three years of age. 
It's interesting because Hannah is the one who carried Samuel for the length of the pregnancy. Hannah is the one who went through the labor pains. And Hannah, of course, is the one who physically gave birth to Samuel. But yet she gave her son to the service of God under the leadership of Eli. But yes, we must remember that she is just fulfilling her vow. And there are some people today who make vows and they they promise God certain things. But unlike Hannah, they don't follow through. They say, Lord, if you get me out of this mess, I'll start coming to church. God, if you would just answer this prayer one time, then I'll read my Bible every day. Or if you would just help me financially, Lord, and get me out of this financial mess that I'm in. Then I promise God that I'll start treating everybody right. And so some people, they make these promises and vows to God, but they don't follow through. But of course she did. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 5, 5. It says, better not to vow than to vow and not pay. There's no requirement in the Bible that says you must vow anything to God. You don't even know if you're going to make it to see tomorrow. But somebody who makes a promise to God, who makes some type of vow towards God, need to fulfill that. Hannah did, but unfortunately, we can't say that about all people. See, Hannah, this godly woman, she she understood. Yes, she was paying her vow, but she also understood that without God, she doesn't get pregnant. She understood that with God, she doesn't give birth to a live baby. She understands that without God, she does not have this gift from God and children are a gift from the Lord the scriptures tells us now in reality what she really did is just return to God what is his in reality that's what she did because Ezekiel 18 4 says behold all souls are mine the soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine The soul who sins shall die. And so she just gave God in reality what was his in the first place. His soul belonged to God. So God created everyone. So everyone belongs to him in that sense. He is the creator of all human beings. But look what it says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, just to make sure that everything is covered. It says, for you were bought at a price and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So not only are we created by God, not only was Samuel created by God. But also when you think about us as as Christians who are also created by God, we were also bought at a price. 
Jesus paid the ransom. So in other words, you have to think about redemption in terms of slavery. So slavery is the backdrop when we talk about being redeemed by God. When we think about the ransom being paid, slavery is the backdrop. We're in slavery to sin. And as long as we're in slavery to sin, then we'll also face the penalty of sin, which is death. The wages of sin is death. And death goes past uh, physical death, which is the separation of the soul from the body. But then you have spiritual death. You could be alive physically, but spiritually you have no connection with God. You have no relationship with him. And if a person is to die in that spiritual, spiritual deadness, then they'll be eternally separated from God. And so now you have that eternal death. And all of this is because of the sickness of sin. And so we're enslaved to sin, but Jesus redeemed us. He paid the ransom for us, not, not with gold, not with silver, not with anything material, anything that could perish, but he paid with this precious blood. And so we are redeemed. We are, we are bought from slavery to sin and, and we are set free. And remember what Jesus told the disciples that, that he came not to serve, but to, I'm sorry, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And that's what he did. And in doing that, he redeemed us. And so not only are we created by God, but we were bought at a price. And so she just pretty much gave God what belongs to him. But the question I have for all of us tonight is are we showing that we have not forgotten God by giving back to him what he blessed us with? So maybe we've been praying for something just like Hannah prayed for a child and received that child. But she showed that she did not forget God. She did not forget God because she gave to God back what he gave her as a blessing. And so have we done that or are we doing that? Are we showing that we have not forgotten God? How have we, have we given back to him what came from him? In other words, what am I saying? I'm, I'm asking, are we glorifying God with what he has given to us? Or are, are we allowing God to use what he has given to us for his glory. Why? Because we understand it came from him. So our children, we understand that, that the Lord blessed us with our children. So because they're a blessing, because they're from God, a blessing from God, have we given our children back to him? I'm not saying that you just hand them over to a priest or anything for lifelong service, but have we given our children back over to him by saying, Lord, I understand that that they're a blessing from you. And so I want to dedicate this child. I want to dedicate my children to you. I want them to be prayed over, dedicated to you, Lord. I want you to oversee the affairs of their lives. I, I, I want you to, when they get to the point of understanding, to, 
to help them to understand that they're sinners in need of a savior. I want you to oversee the affairs of their lives and to help them to grow up to be godly men and women. And so, Lord, you bless me with these children and I dedicate them to you. We also give our children back to God when we train them, so to speak, in the ways of God. Because we're doing it God's way. And if we're doing it God's way, raising children God's way is showing that we haven't forgotten God. Oh, we glorify God with the children he has given to us by teaching them from his word. But how about our marriages? How about our finances that the Lord blessed us with? Have we shown that we have not forgotten God by handing over our marriages to him, by handing over our finances to him? We understand that, Lord, you blessed me with this mate. Lord, you blessed me with these finances. And in fact, the finances really belong to you. And I'm just overseeing them. I'm just a steward of your possessions, Lord. And and I just want to return them back to you and to glorify you with my spending, with my saving, with my giving. I want to glorify you, Lord, in my marriage because you blessed me with this marriage. And in doing so, when we do that, again, we're showing that we have not forgotten God. But how about with our careers that we prayed so hard for and he indeed blessed us with those careers? Have we given those careers back to him and said, yes, Lord, I know you blessed me with this. Yes, I had to do my part of it. I had to go to the interview. Yes, I had to go to school and get that degree. But Lord, you gave me the opportunity. You gave me the ability to do the schoolwork to get that degree. You gave me the means to get it. You set up the interview. You gave me favor before men and you blessed me with this career. So, Father, with this career, I hand it over to you and I pray that you use it to glorify yourself. And if we do that, that means that we have not forgotten God. That's what it looks like practically. Just as an example, or, or maybe you have a certain set of skills, and skills, by the way, are what you acquire. You can learn skills like typing and writing, but God gave you the ability to learn those skills. So are we using them for his glory and in doing so, showing that we have not forgotten him? Or, or maybe those talents, those God-given talents and those spiritual gifts, and, and by the way, the spiritual gifts are, are, are divvied out. To each and every believer according to his will. But are we using the talents? Are we using the spiritual gifts for his glory? Oh, if we are, that shows that we have not forgotten God. That shows that we have taken a page out of Hannah's book and not forgotten him because we just handing over what he blessed us with. Oh, that ministry, sometimes we we begin to think that it's our ministry, but God is the one who hands over that ministry to us, and it's a blessing. It is a great privilege, so don't see ministry as a burden. It is a blessing from God, an opportunity to serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, the lover of my soul. It's a way to serve him, and in serving him, we're being a blessing to people. Oh, yes, in ministry, we become conduits of his blessings. We become channels of his blessings, as one author says. That's what ministry is. 
And so do we understand that it came from him? Do we understand that it's a blessing? And have we turned it over to him and say, Lord, you be glorified in and through this ministry. And in doing so, it shows that we have not forgotten God. And how about our very lives, every breath we take, the, the fact that we, are, we drove here and we're sitting down, some of us in chairs, and we're able to speak and we're able to do all these things in life. We're able to say that, I know I'm alive. I'm, I'm in the land of the living. But when we understand our lives, our very lives come from him, that he gave it to us. The least we can do is give it back to him. Lord, you gave me this life. I return it to you. Have your way in and through my life. And in doing so, it shows that we have not forgotten about God. And I want to take that opportunity to say if, if there's someone who wants to be in that position of being used by God, of glorifying God with your life, but you've never, ever repented or received Christ, I want to give you that opportunity to repent. That means change of mind. Turn from that sin. Change the way you feel about that sin. You approve of it now. See it the way God sees it. Sin is disgusting in the sight of God. It's offensive. Turn from that and then what? Put your faith in Christ. And in doing so, you'll be given to God what belongs to him. And in doing so, you'll be showing, of course, that you have not forgotten about God as the worship team comes to the stage. You know, I like to say as well that many of us have this in our prayer with what Hannah had in her prayer in verse 11. You know, when she told the Lord to remember her, she says, look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me. And then she says, and not forget your maidservant. And, and many of us, by the way, we ask God to remember us. Lord, remember me and my situation. Don't, don't forget about me, Lord. We all say that about the Lord. Lord, I know you are working on that other child of yours and working in their situation. But Lord, please don't pass me by. Please don't forget about me. But we love to ask God that. Tell God to remember us. And yes, we want God to remember us and not forget about us. But just to drive the point home, I want to share that in all of our blessings, just remember to don't forget about him. We don't want him to forget about us. Because we're not blessed so we can leave him out of the picture. He doesn't want to bless us so we can leave him out. So in other words, what I'm saying is to remember the one who remembers us. Remember the one who remembers us in helping us to overcome our struggles. He remembered us, didn't forget about us when we were struggling with a certain type of sin. When we were struggling, struggling financially, we were struggling 
as new parents. We were struggling in, with, with our health situation and he didn't forget about us. So remember the one who remembers us. The one who remembered us and meeting all of our needs. He, he didn't forget the fact that we needed something. That we needed to eat. We needed drink. We needed clothing. Things he told us not to worry about. But to first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And he tells us that all these things will be added unto us in Matthew 6.33. He remembered us in our needs. Remember the one who remembers us. He remembered us in our time of emergency. There was no one to call. And and if we did call them, they didn't pick up the phone. Oh, when we needed to to come to the church, we, we found out that the offices were closed. There's nobody here to help. And I'm in a state of emergency. Oh, but God remembered. He didn't forget you and your emergency. So once again, let us remember the one who remembers us. Father God, we thank you so much that you don't forget about your children. We thank you for your great love for us. It is immeasurable. Help us, Lord, to in all our ways to remember you. To understand that these these blessings that we receive from you is just not all about us. But Lord, Lord, we want to in turn lift up these blessings back over to you and say, have your way, Father. However you want to use what you bless me with for your glory, we pray, Father, that you would do it. Yes, Lord, these children and this marriage, this house, this education, this degree that you blessed us with, Lord. Help us, Lord, to turn it over to you and to ask you to use it for your glory. And Lord, if we've been going through this rat race in life and just experiencing blessing after blessing and haven't stopped and taken the time to just say thank you, I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us. Lord, maybe verbally we've said, Thank you, but with the way we live, Lord, and the way we've taken these blessings and just run with them. Maybe we've shown, Lord, that we've forgotten the blesser. Draw us closer to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you desire to have 
close fellowship with each and every one of us. So Father, I pray if if there's anyone who's not a believer, they wouldn't consider themselves a Christian or they don't know where they're going to spend eternity, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to Jesus tonight, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless my brothers and sisters tonight. Thank you, Lord, for their presence. Thank you for their attentiveness. Thank you for all you're doing in them, through them, and for them. And I just pray that you bless the remainder of their night, the remainder of their week, and that you use them, Lord, in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.